Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be starting a new series. We're going to be drawing it out of Galatians 5, especially the part where Paul says, look, the fruit of the Spirit, what life is supposed to look like when lived in the Spirit, the natural occurrence of what happens when you live in the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and kindness and meekness and self-control. The kinds of things that honestly only God can do, the kinds of things that become the normal Christian life. And we want to try to answer the question, if that's the normal Christian life, why does my life not look like that? Over the last several weeks, Jason's been leading us through this series on misconceptions, just questions that might keep people from going all in with Jesus. The hope is, the hope is that there were some people who came for Easter who just kind of sniffed around and said, this smells real to me. I don't know how it works. I don't know if I believe it, but it smells real to me. And they just hung around long enough to kind of ferret out the truth a little bit. And so Jason's been leading us through some misconceptions. Does it even matter how I live and, and what I do and how hard I try? Does it, even, does it even matter? What is eternal life even about? What is it supposed to look like to live into eternal life? And, 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 and now we want to go through some other questions that maybe you've been wrestling with for a long time. Questions like, why can't I fill in the blank? Why can't I stop what needs to stop in my life? Why can't I start those, those habits, those, those disciplines, those spiritual practices that would land me where I want to be with Jesus, with maturity and hope and consistency in my creation? Why can't I start those things. Why, why, why can't I change? Why can't I become the man I know God has called me to be? Why can't I be different? And the last one's actually kind of a freebie thrown in for good measure. Why can't I forgive? Because maybe that last one is the one that keeps the other things from ever reaching the tipping point, ever reaching critical mass where the dominoes start to fall. Is there somebody that you just can't let off the hook? Is there, is there some experience in your life that has become one of the defining chapters and you can't seem to get past that? Why can't I forgive, release, open up in order to stop and start and change and become the person God has called me to be. Let me give you, let me give you a, a background text for it. It comes from Romans chapter 7. Maybe you know this one where Paul says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, that's what I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. Why can't I stop? the things that I want to stop? Why can't I start the things that I know would set me up for a better life? Why can't I change? Why can't I stop being so mad? Why can't I stop grieving? Why can't I change? Well, let me just, let me just build it off of these three sort of building blocks, these three big ideas that I, I think are present with all of us. For one, for one, just this seeming inability on my part to change. I mean, no matter how hard I try, I can't bring about the change that I want to try. Sometimes I can string good days together, right? 
But somehow, for some reason, I don't know why, I just, I, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, whatever. I just, I can't bring about the personal change that I want to bring about in my life. You know what I'm talking about, Perry. It's just, why can't, why can't I do this? And second big idea is just, just this deep desire for life to be different, you know? I see it in other people. I see, I see other people have breakthroughs. I see other people, you know, living the life that I wish I had in Jesus with, with a contentment that I wish I had, with a joy that I wish I had, with a peace that I wish I had. But it seems so fleeting. And the harder I try to hold on to it, the more it slips through my fingers. My deep desire for life to be different and my desperate need for God's help. Because I've looked everywhere I can think to look. I've read the books. I've listened to the podcasts. I've, I've, I've sought where I think to look to find out for life to be different. There's a line from an old cowboy movie I remember. One cowboy says to the other, how you doing? And his partner says, better since I gave up hope. If only I could stop wishing for life to be different. If only I could just grow accustomed to the same old, same old that has marked my life. But somehow, you know it, and I know it, God has set something eternal in our hearts. We know we were created for more. We know we were created for love and joy and peace. We know that we were created for life to be different. So over the next few weeks, I want to invite you into, into a thought process with me. In fact, if you have a piece of paper with you today, I, I would invite you to maybe write out the answer to a few of these questions. At least a preliminary answer, or maybe even whip out your phone and, and open up the notes section and just write down a couple of things. What is it that you're trying to stop? What is it that you know needs to not go any further in your life? I mean, we're coming up on one of the mile markers of our year, right? We are. Uh, I, I really believe that you should never miss an opportunity for a fresh beginning, for a new start. So New Year's, right? You make resolutions. You come to the start of a new school year. You say, this year, life is going to be different for our family. We're going to eat at home more often. We're going to pray together around the table. We're going to have dinner together. We're going to this, we're going to that. You look for opportunities for new beginnings and fresh starts. We're coming to the end of the school year. Do I hear an amen? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I think about that little Christmas song and mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. But, but all the school teachers are like, no, 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 no. But what is it you want to have different this summer? Because the last thing you want to do is for this summer to slip through your fingers, right? The last thing you want to do is for this season. It's just, it's just a season, right? But you don't want to miss it. You don't want it to slip through your fingers. You don't want it to just erode out from under you. No, you, you, want, you want to make the most of it. You want to be able to, to, to leverage this season of life. So what is it? What is it that you don't want to carry into your summer? What is it that you don't want to carry into this next season? What is it that you need to stop? And maybe you could name it. Maybe you could just whip out your phone and just, just name some of the things. You might want to put it in a secret file so nobody can find it. But there may be some things that are just 
I mean, as soon as this question comes out of my mouth, it's the answer is so obvious. What are you trying to stop? Because you've been trying to stop it for so long. A hurt, a hang up, an addiction. That's how we talk about it and celebrate recovery, right? A hurt, a hang up, an addiction. Maybe it's the smokes, maybe it's the booze, maybe it's the pills, maybe it's the porn. Who knows? Who knows? You know, you know what it is in your life that you've harbored and you've held on to. Paul, the writer of Hebrews talks about it and he says, it's the sin that so easily entangles us. What is it you need to be free of once and for all? And it says that Jesus is the one who comes to break the chains. He's the one who comes to open prison doors. What is it you need to be free of? What is it you need to stop and you can't seem to stop? The first step is to write it down so that you can say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I need your help with this. What is the blank that you fill in? What are you trying to stop? What are you trying to start? Is there a, is there a practice in your spiritual life that you've heard other people talk about? Maybe you saw a YouTube video about it. I don't know. Maybe you heard a sermon about it and you told yourself there was something that kind of clicked in you and said, if I could only do that, things would begin to change. It's a domino type practice that if that one would go down, the rest would start coming. Maybe you tell yourself, if only I could get up 30 minutes earlier in the day, if only I could reserve some time for just me and Jesus, if I could have some time in the word, if I could learn how to pray, if only, if only, if only, if I could keep my radio station on the, on the right station, if only I could, is there a pivotal practice that you just know in your heart, if you could only start it and continue it, it would be a difference maker in your life. And yet, like Paul you don't seem to have the power. You don't seem to find the place to bring about that kind of change in your life. What is it that needs to change? Write it down. Write it down so that over these next three or four weeks in this sermon series, we can, we can begin and continue to chip away at the things that need to start and the things that need to stop and the things that need to change. And I'm convinced that one of the things that stands in the way for many of us, from realizing the stops, the starts, and the changes, is we're so stuck, some of us, in some old hurts, some things that shouldn't have happened to you, but they did. Some people who shouldn't have hurt you, but they did. Some things that you don't know if you'll ever get past, but if you don't get past that, you can't get on with the rest of this. What is it? Can you name it? Can you identify it? Because if you can name it and you can identify it, maybe just maybe you can invite the Lord into it and you could find somehow, here's what I'm convinced of. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things, the fruit of the Spirit, without the fruit of the Spirit, you'll never get past it because you don't have the power in and of yourself. Which brings me to one of the big reasons for this particular series right now is that we're coming up on Pentecost. That season of the year between Easter and Pentecost Sunday, the time when there's this longing for things to be different, this longing for the power of the Holy Spirit to come like a rushing mighty wind into my life, 
to give me a new language to speak, to give me a new power to walk in. Lord, if only I could live in you in the power of your Holy Spirit. If only I could walk by the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that would be the difference maker. So over these next few weeks, I want to invite you into a, a practice of prayer and preparation saying, Lord, meet us here. Meet us here. So I want to take you to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 13. And over these next few weeks, we're just going to spend some time just sort of chewing on these passages, especially verse 22. But I want to start right now at verse 13 to set the stage. You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. You were called to be free. You were called to be free of those sins that so easily entangle us. You were called to be free of those habits and those addictions that seem to keep you trapped and bound. You were born for freedom. God set freedom in your heart, but freedom, freedom, not, not to be used as an excuse to indulge the flesh. All the things that feel like freedom, I get to do whatever I want. I get to, I get to scratch whatever itches. I get to engage in whatever it is that my heart desires. No, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. Freedom is to be free from those things, to be free from those things. You, my brothers and sisters, called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, because if you bite and devour each other, Check this out. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. One, one translation I remember says, if you don't watch out, you'll bite and devour each other until you consume one another. Some of you have only recently begun to stick your toe back in the water of church because you've been devoured in the past. Something happened. There was a conflict. There was a fight. There was some interpersonal conflict and, and man, you just got chewed up and spit out. And you've wondered, you've wondered if church is for the winners, but not for people like me. Well, you know what it is to bite and devour. You know what it is to fight and to argue. But maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to walk in freedom. It goes on. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour, you'll watch out or you'll be destroyed. So I say, walk by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you don't do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. There's a different way to live. The acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who walk like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But those are the exact things, those are the exact things that the world tells us, you're free to do all this stuff. But these are the very things that you find yourself in bondage to. That's backwards. And by the way, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just examples of, of what life looks like when it's lived under the domination of the enemy of your soul. You're not free. You're trapped by those very things that the world tells us are the marks of freedom. 
Those are things that land you in jail. Then it says this. Then it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. In fact, I want you to read this with me. My hope is that by the end of this series, we've got this hidden in our hearts. The fruit of the Spirit, say it out loud, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, the things that adorn the life of the believer. I think sometimes about that, about that picture that we have of eternity. When, when the river of life flows down through the city of God and there are trees on either side that grow 12 kinds of fruit in season, you think to yourself, well, there's apple trees and there's orange trees and there's plum trees, but you don't have one tree that grows at all. Well, you do in the kingdom. You do in the kingdom 12 kinds of fruit all in season, the love and joy and peace and patience. Uh, when it, my, my Bible says forbearance, but the way I memorized it when I was a kid was patience. And that's, that's the way I've got it hidden in my heart. Love and joy and peace. It feels to me like if you were to, if you were to see it like a bullseye, that love and joy and peace, that's, that's the foundational part that God can only do in your heart. You can't make that happen. You can only create the environment for that to happen. Love and joy and peace. And then the patience and kindness and goodness, that, that's sort of the second ring out in my heart and my mind. It's, it's the kind of, it's the ways we relate to one another. It's the gifts that we give to one another. To have your life marked by, by patience and kindness and goodness. Isn't, isn't that the way you, wanna, you want people to relate to you? My household could use some more of that. Couldn't yours? And then the faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It seems to me that those are the things, those are the means to the end of how we begin to, how we begin to take responsibility for our own hearts. I choose to be faithful. I choose to be gentle. I choose to take responsibility for my own life and decisions. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, he says since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It reminds me of what Jesus said when he says, do you labor and are heavy laden? Are you weary and tired? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you will stay in step with me. If you'll stay in step with me, says Jesus, I'll do the heavy lifting. You'll find yourself, if, if I'm the one pulling the plow, you're just out for an afternoon walk. If you'll stay in step with me. If you'll stay in step with me, you'll find that love and joy and peace beginning to be formed on the inside of you, beginning to be shaped into who you are. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, if any of us are in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone. What is it that used to be in there? What is the old that is gone if you're a new creation? Well, well, the, 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 the drunkenness, the chasing after every distraction, that's what's gone. And what it's replaced by is the love and joy and peace that only Christ can give. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And then you begin to, you begin to relate to one another in a whole different way because of what God has begun to do on the inside of you. 
the patience and the kindness and the, and the goodness, the ways that you, you, you begin to see people through the God lens, not through the world lens. You begin to hope the best for the people you love. You begin to believe the best for the people you love. You begin to pray for the best for the people that you love. And you begin to take on. You begin to take on a responsibility to say, I'm going to choose to be faithful. I'm going to choose to be gentle. I'm going to choose to walk in the kind of self-control that has begun to spring from the inside of me, like a river of living water springing up from within. Can I pray that over you? Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would be people who find our lives in you. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you gave your heart to Jesus years ago. And you've been trying so hard to live the Christian life. And it feels so beyond your reach. Can I tell you something? It is beyond your reach. Your only hope to live the life God has in mind for you is to let the Holy Spirit live it through you. That's honestly your only hope. So Lord, in Jesus' name, would you plant deep in the soil of my heart the love and joy and peace that only you can bring. Lord, would you grow out from that core? Would you grow the patience and kindness and goodness that only come from you? Lord, in Jesus' name, would you teach my heart how to be faithful? Would you teach my heart how to be gentle? Would you teach my heart how to follow hard after you?